Merry Christmas, everybody. Welcome to the Matthew S. Podcast. Hey, thank you so much for joining me today. Now, I've got to tell you right off the bat that my family and I are 100% in Christmas mode already. We're feeling the Christmas spirit big time. Our tree's been lit since October. The eggnog and the peppermint ice cream are being consumed in large quantities. We're going full lactose over here. We've already watched the movie Elf like four times. I'm singing, I'm in a store, and I'm singing. That's my favorite part. Yes, we're in the Christmas spirit, and we are ready for this Christmas. I hope you can say the same. But listen, if you're not in the Christmas spirit just yet, worry not, my friend. You have come to the right place. Because the mission of the Matthew S. Podcast this entire month is to get you in the Christmas spirit, to help you prepare your heart and your mind to expect a December to remember. And that sounds like I'm preparing you for a Lexus car commercial. That's not what I'm talking about. What I'm talking about is opening our hearts to experience the fullness of joy that God is offering to us at Christmas time and all throughout the year. I've handpicked a bucket list of guests that I've been so excited to talk to, and you are going to love these conversations, so just get ready. But first, I want to say thank you to everyone who allowed my song Gobble Gobble to be part of your Thanksgiving memory this year. The music video got over 1 million views on YouTube alone on Thanksgiving Day, and then several more million across all formats. Apparently, you guys enjoy seeing my wife throw a pie in my face, which is what happens at the end of the video. I think my wife enjoyed that a little too much. There was a twinkle in her eyes. Families from across the country sent me the most hilarious videos of them singing, dancing, and choreographing moves to the Gobble Gobble song, and I just got to tell you, it made my heart so happy to see that. So once more, before we jump fully into the Christmas season, I offer you a heartfelt and sincere Gobble Gobble, my friends. It was so much fun to make some Thanksgiving memories with you. Who knows? Maybe that'll be an annual tradition. I wouldn't be mad about that. Now, to help flip the switch on the Christmas season, I have to let you know that we're doing a very special Christmas event from my home. Matthew West and family present the hope of Christmas. This is going to be an epic experience that you can watch from the comfort of your own home. Now, we know Christmas is going to look different this year because... Everything has looked different this year. In fact, I'm tired of that phrase about how things look different this year. But we want to help you all get into the Christmas spirit by sharing this special evening with you. The show is going to take place on December 18th and 19th with two different performances each night so you can find the right concert time that works for you and your family. And speaking of you and your family, we wanted to make sure tickets were super affordable. So all of these virtual events I'm doing, it's one ticket and then you can gather your whole family around in your house. So whoever you can get in your house, safely distance, of course, one ticket, you can all watch the show together. And for being a listener of this podcast, you're going to receive $5 off your ticket price because I love you. That's why. So here's what you're going to do. Go to MatthewWest.com today and right on the front, you'll see the ad for the Hope of Christmas event. Click to get tickets. And when you purchase your tickets, use the code WESTPOLE, not North Pole. 
Westpole, and you'll get $5 off your ticket. Don't miss this special event. It's going to be just an amazing time and a chance for my band and my crew and everybody to do what they do best, make music, and help us all get in the Christmas spirit. So join me and my family for The Hope of Christmas on December 18th and 19th. Now, it's only fitting that my guest for this first episode in December has already been given the title The Queen of Christmas by the Hallmark Channel. But I already knew she was the Queen of Christmas because I met her several years ago on the set of a Christmas film that was being made inspired by my song, The Heart of Christmas. She starred in that film. I actually played the part of the friendly neighbor. I think I had three lines, and I knocked him out of the park. (laughs) You can find it on Netflix this Christmas. It's called The Heart of Christmas. Since then, she's gone on to star in so many Christmas films that, well... She definitely is the undisputed queen of Christmas. But in addition to that, she's a New York Times bestselling author. She's a producer, a hugely successful entrepreneur, a wife, and a mom. She's come a long way from DJ on Full House. Her latest Hallmark movie, If I Only Had Christmas, just released, and I know we're all going to watch it this year. So let's go to the story house with Candace Cameron Bure. Hey, thank you so much for joining me. You're so welcome. I'm glad we finally got a date. Let's start off by this. Where are you today and what are you working on? Because I know from following you on Instagram and just from knowing you over the years, you're always working on something and I'm always highly impressed by how much you do. So <laughs> so where are you today? <laughs> thank you. I'm in Vancouver, British Columbia, and I am about to start working on another Aurora Tea Garden mystery movie my 15th one (laughs) your 15th one that's unbelievable yeah it's so great it's this mystery series that i've been doing and you always hope that you'll make a few of them but i never really thought that we'd be up to 15 and then we already have planned up to 20 for next year so it's pretty cool wait 20 more or five more to get to 20 next year no five more to get to 20 (sighs) and hopefully it continues on we kind of do them in cycles of three Do you always film in Vancouver? We do, yeah. Now, Vancouver, Washington or Vancouver? No, British Columbia. British Columbia, okay. Mm -hmm. Mary Lou Henner is starring in this movie with you? Yes, Mary Lou Henner, who is one of my favorite people in the world. She plays my mother in the Aurora Tea Garden Mysteries. She is just fabulous. She is as kooky as I am. We have so many similarities and things in common, and we adore each other, and she is one of the greatest storytellers I've ever known in my life and lived such a full and different kind of life than me. So I just love sitting with my hands like on my chin and just listen to her stories all day long. It's great. So because of what's happened this year with the pandemic, every time we come up and work in Canada, we have to quarantine for two weeks before we're allowed to start working. A couple months ago, when I was up here for two months, And it was the first time I had to quarantine. And Mary Lou and I said, let's quarantine together because I don't know how it's going to feel being alone for two weeks, sitting in a little hotel room and not being able to even open the door. So we said, let's rent a house and quarantine together. And we thought if we hate each other by the end of the two weeks, then we can at least move into separate hotel rooms once the movie starts. But of course, We didn't hate being in quarantine together. We loved it and realized that 
We want to do this every time we film a movie, regardless of quarantine or not, we're always going to rent a house and stay together because that's how much fun we have. And it's just better being together. I spend so much time up here in Vancouver and I'm away from Val, my husband and my family. And it just feels so much better to have a buddy to come home to. So it didn't turn into any like real life mother daughter animosity or you didn't get on each other's like it actually wound up being more like long lost sisters. Yes. I didn't think the relationship could get better. And it did. How many weeks at a time do you have to be away from your family to film shows like this? Well, with quarantine included, it's about five weeks. Five weeks from start to finish, not one trip home. Correct. To California. And so does your family ever get to come and visit you or would that break the uh, quarantine bubble or whatever? Exactly. Because if they came up here, they would have to quarantine for two weeks as well. I know how close you are to your husband, to Val and your kids. The life that you live out on Instagram the way that you invite people into your life and your family in such an authentic way is something that my family loves to follow along with. But five weeks apart from your family, talk about what that's been like. It gets tough. I was up here for nine weeks on the last one because I ended up shooting two movies back to back without going home so I could get them done. And it's difficult. You've been married a long time. I've been married for 24 years, but you get used to your rhythms and being at home. And even though I work a lot out of the country, I've always gone home on weekends or someone's come up to visit me. So we're always seeing one another and not letting it go more than a couple weeks without spending time together. But obviously FaceTime is my best friend with my family right now, but it gets hard. So I exercise a lot and that really helps me, especially with my mental health and sad feelings and lonely feelings. And I was working out the other day and I, they have a Peloton bike up here where I'm staying. So I got on to exercise. And again, I exercise a lot and I love sharing my workouts on social media because people follow along, they'll do it with me. And I love encouraging people in that way. But I got on the Peloton bike for the first time and 10 or 15 minutes in, I just started bawling. And I didn't even know it hit me. I was like, what is happening right now? I have never cried like this while I've been exercising. And I didn't know if it was just the endorphins or the instructor who was playing good music and talking about humility. But it was like this emotional release. And I bawled twice during that workout. It just overcame me. But honestly, I felt so much better after I did. I think I just needed a good cry because It's very gray and rainy in Vancouver. As much as I love this beautiful city, it's gorgeous, but it's the Pacific Northwest. So it's gray and I'm a Southern California sunshine girl. I thrive in the sunshine. So I think the gray weather and missing my family really got to me. So I needed to just cry it out. And I did. And I'm still standing. I feel better. (laughs) You're not going to be working over Christmas, are you? No, I'm not. Five years ago, I was working on a film and I went right up until December 19th. Oh, wow. And I didn't get to pick out the Christmas tree with my family. I didn't get to decorate my house with my family. And I was so sad. It was heartbreaking. So I was like, that was it. I'm never doing this again. I just said, I am not working in December anymore. And that was a really good decision to say no to. It was one of those things where I'm like, ah, but I could squeeze in one more movie. It's another opportunity. It's also another paycheck. But then I'm like, this isn't worth it. This is not worth my family life. None of that 
beats out the family time. So I intentionally said no more work in December. It's time to stay home. Good for you. I mean, you need a month at least just to have the time to sit down and watch all of your Christmas movies anyways. There's like 3,000 of them starring Candace, right? Matthew, you know what the hardest thing about this is? Total, I've done 10 Christmas movies, but nine of them are Hallmark movies. Yes. And so because I'm exclusive to the Hallmark channel, I only talk about the Hallmark movies. But that one lonely Christmas movie that I can't really ever talk about is the one that we did together that I love. It's so good. It just wasn't on Hallmark's channel. That's right. (laughs) And that's how we got to meet. Exactly. Well, you're free to share about it on this podcast, (laughs) but you're the queen of Christmas. Can I say that? Have you been given that official title? Yes. Hallmark did give me that official title. And I happily, they did. Oh man, that's amazing. Thank you. How did they present that to you? Was it like a a key to the Hallmark Studios or was it like a throne? (laughs) What comes with that? Are there any perks with being named the Queen of Christmas? Let's just make up the perks because everything you just listed sounds great. They didn't give me any of those things, but I'd really like the key to Hallmark. I'd like a little chair throne thing. It sounds like you need me to be your agent. I don't know what your agent's doing, but... (laughs) Your agent's probably going for straight cash, and here I'm going. No, she needs a throne. (laughs) She needs. I need. I need the crown. Yeah. I have worn the crown on occasion during interviews. I bring my little scepter, and I just pretend to be the queen. (laughs) Candace needs a real reindeer stack. Yeah. Like I would do stuff like that. Nobody look her in the eye. That kind of thing. The West family, we are such fans of you. And the chance that I got to work with you on a little-known movie that we'll only say it once, and then we'll talk all about the Hallmark movies, but The Heart of Christmas, which is kind of the theme of Hallmark, ironically, right? Every year, don't they say The Heart of Christmas? Yes, they do. So they said they were going to turn this song that I wrote into a Christmas movie, and it was a true story of a little boy named Dax who was a St. Jude's patient. A really, really sweet, sweet story. And I said, well, look, it's not a Christmas movie unless you get Candace. <laughs> and they said, we're going to try. We're going to try. And then sure enough, it like happened. And that was so much fun getting to hang out with you a little bit in California and feel like, okay, so this is what it looks like. You got a trailer. You get like get to hang out with cool actors. <laughs> and like I felt really cool for that few days. And then it all went Did away. You? But that felt really special. Aww. But you were so great in that movie. It's such a sweet movie. It was. Well, and not to mention all the movies that you're putting out. Do your husband and kids, do they celebrate the movies and like sit down and watch them with you or watch them during the holidays or is it like my kids with my music it's just what dad does yeah are they impressed at all by you is what i'm trying to get at not at all (laughs) it is just like your family they don't ever sit around and watch hallmark movies because my boys don't like the hallmark movies because you know (laughs) it's not quite the demographic they're a little cheesy and sappy and romantic so they don't want to watch it nor does my husband (laughs) natasha will sometimes watch them with me which i appreciate but no usually i'll say something like oh yeah i'm back home and my kids will be like, oh, where were you? What were you doing? I'm like, I was filming another mystery movie or I was filming a Christmas movie. Oh, you were? Oh, okay. Like, I have a movie on today. Oh, well, cool. Okay, I'm going to be in my room. I'm going to do that. Like, they don't care. That's just what mom does. But they're ready for you to be home. Yeah. 
I always love when I say, no, Max, it's my youngest son. He's 18 now. But I'll say, Max, like, I just filmed a Christmas movie. He goes, wait, wait, wait. Let me guess the plot. Let me guess. You're a working woman. And you were in the big city, but then you had to go home to the country. And then there's a really handsome guy that you don't really like. But then he kind of likes you. And then you kind of fall in love with him. And then, like, he cuts a Christmas tree down with an axe. And you fall yes, in love yes. and save the day. I'm like, yes, <laughs> yes, that's it, Max. That's the movie. And the handsome love interest is the reason why Val doesn't like to watch the movie, right? Exactly. I mean, yeah. So he just like textbook like wrote the script already. The whole premise of the movie, he knew exactly what it was. Yeah. What's the one where you play a doctor? I feel like this one, we've seen it like a million times. It seems like it's always on when we turn on Hallmark. And this is an older one, though. Where you're a doctor. Yeah. I am a doctor and, and you I go to Garland, Alaska. In Garland, Alaska. That's what it was. Yes. I love yes. that one. So that one was Christmas Under Wraps. And I'll tell you why that one plays all the time. I'm going to toot my own horn for, okay. a little, right. for a second. It's because still today, it's the number one highest rated movie in the history of the network. You're kidding. Mm-mm. So that's why it's in heavy rotation. <laughs> yes. That's amazing. Why do you think that one above other ones? I don't know. It's a great question because every year we're always trying to hit that number. I mean, I love keeping track of ratings and just like you do with your music, I'm sure. I mean, you do it for the love of it and because you want to, but those numbers are important to me to see who's watching or for you, it's like who's downloading the album. Right, right. And so I'm like, what was it about that movie that was so special that still holds the record of every movie out there. <laughs> and I've had other ones get very close, but I don't know why. Well, I don't know why. first of all, it's a clever title, Christmas Under Wraps. Like, you got to give it to whoever wrote that title. That's catchy and a little play on words. But I would say, and I'm not an expert when it comes to acting, but it's got to be your performance in that movie. And I know you're being modest and you don't want to say that's the reason, but that's got to be the reason, right? I think it's because Rudy the Reindeer was in it. <laughs> and there was like secret elves. Okay. <laughs> that's that, why I We like that part too. We like that part. <laughs> but that's crazy. I didn't realize you'd done 10 Christmas movies and you have one or two coming out this year. Yes. So I have a new one out this year on November 29th. It's the Sunday after Thanksgiving and it's the newest one. And it's called If I Only Had Christmas. See, it makes me want to write a song right now. I love it. I think that's a great title. It's based on my all time favorite movie, which is The Wizard of Oz. Ooh, which would be If I Only Had a... Had a Brain. And If I Only Had a Heart. Yeah. A Heart, a Home, the Nerve. So this is if I only had Christmas. Did you come up with that? No, I wish I did. But my brilliant producer, who I have done 15 movies with, we produce these together. But he's also a writer. And he came up with the concept and, and wrote it and came up with the title. Yeah. I love that. Okay, so tell me about the movie then. The title is, is sort of a playoff of that theme in Wizard of Oz. But are there any other similarities? It's an homage to The Wizard of Oz, so we try to put in as many little Easter eggs for people. If you love that movie, you'll see the similarities. So I play Darcy Gale, Ah. and I live in Kansas. Oh, wow. Okay. I travel to Connecticut on a stormy night, (laughs) and I travel to 
do some pro bono work for the Emerald Educational Trust Foundation. Okay, I see where this is going. All right, I'm liking it already. (laughs) So the VP of communications, Glenn Goodman, is a little bit, uh, a little mysterious and a little curmudgeonly. (laughs) Okay. But we, of course, have an instant attraction towards one another. Interesting. And he really warms up to me. But so along the way, while I'm working with this foundation, I then have three coworkers. One is Jackie Crow, and she's a little bit scatterbrained. <laughs> and then there's Bridget Tinsley, and Bridget is a little cold-hearted. She needs a little warmth in her life, a little nice, heart. Nice. And then there's Riley Lyons, and he needs some courage. Because he has great ideas and he's too scared to present them. You can see those themes. That is in the awesome. Movie. And then there is the shot, and I hope everyone notices it because I made sure that the director had this one shot of us, which was like walking down the yellow brick road. And you'll know it once you see it if you're familiar with the movie. Are you skipping? We couldn't skip. Trust me, I wanted to. But we're all arm in arm, the four of us. The shot is from the back and there is a gold pathway that we're walking on leading up to what might be like the wicked witch of the West's office building. (laughs) So that's like the antagonist of the movie. Yes. Gotcha. So there's a character named Winona West. West. Yes. She doesn't uh, like Darcy very much. (laughs) No relation to me. No, no relation to Matthew West. Now you can't give it away, but No. I'll wrap it up with this. The theme is, there's no place like home. Ah, what else would the theme be, right? (laughs) Right. And an appropriate theme after uh, the amount of weeks you've had to be away from home leading up to Christmas for you personally. This is true. And a good theme for everyone, because we're all going to be home for Christmas this year, because where's anyone going? It's 2020. This year's changed for everyone. That's the truth, which only means that the Hallmark ratings are going to be that much higher this year. I hope so. Guys, the holidays are fast approaching, and here's one thing that 2020 has taught us. Nothing is normal. So why should we think the holidays are going to be normal? They're going to look a little bit different this year. But you know, one of the challenges as a dad has been, how do I keep my kids from spending too much time on their devices, iPads, cell phones? I mean, you can only binge watch so many shows. And as we turn towards the holidays, I mean, don't get me wrong, we're going to watch The Grinch, but man, I want to turn the devices off and spend some time as a family. If you think it's impossible to get a kid to put down the cell phone or video game and do something that's good for their brain, you're wrong. It's possible. And that's why I want to tell you about KiwiCo. KiwiCo delivers hands-on science and art projects for kids of all ages. Everything needed to spark curiosity and kindle creative thinking, which makes KiwiCo the perfect gift. If you've got a child, grandchild, niece, nephew, or a little cousin on your holiday list, you have to check out KiwiCo. With KiwiCo, kids can engineer a walking robot, design a paint pendulum, conduct bubbling chemistry experiments, and more, all from the comfort of home. My youngest daughter, Delaney, loves art projects, and the box that we got from KiwiCo was perfect. We learned all about physics 
through spinning science and we actually created a spin art device. It was the coolest thing ever. And we had a blast. And most important, we weren't just sitting in front of a TV. And guess what? While we're doing the project, we're making more eye contact. We're having more conversation. Imagine that, getting to have a conversation with your kid. And guess what? I even got a little bit smarter and I didn't think that was possible. With different crates for kids of all ages, there's something for every kid on your list. You can start a new holiday tradition with KiwiCo. There's no commitment, so you can pause or cancel at any time. KiwiCo is redefining learning with hands-on projects that build confidence, creativity, and critical thinking skills. There's something for every kid or kid at heart at KiwiCo. Get 50% off your first month plus free shipping on any crate line with code WEST at KiwiCo.com. That's 50% off your first month just for listening to this podcast at KiwiCo.com. Promo code WEST. How often is it where something that you're acting out actually is resonating with you in your real life? Are there ever moments where you're like, man, I'm reading this script and there's just a part of this that like hits me on an emotional level? Or is it a lot of times you're kind of more, you're just playing a role and more detached? How does that work? It depends on what the role is or what the scene is. But if if anything I can always find something to relate it to. It might not be happening at that moment in my life, but it has happened. That's what actors do. We just pull our feelings and it's like you make deposits your entire life into your heart and into your soul. Like I will capture moments to remember them so that when I need to have those feelings again, when I'm acting out a scene, I mean, legitimately I can access them and I try to have sense memory to remember what I smelled or what I felt like or what I was hearing if there was music at that moment or what the location was. And you just tap back into your memory and then access that for the scene. The way you just described that makes me think about like the songwriting process where sometimes like I can't really tell you what I was thinking about when I was writing a certain song, but I was definitely tapping into this deep well of, I love what you said, like you're sort of making deposits into your heart throughout your whole life. And sometimes you may not even be aware of which specific moment in your life you're tapping into to recapture a certain emotion. It's just, it's there. It's that deep well inside of all of us if we're willing Mm -hmm. to kind of go there. Do you have like acting coaches? No, I often will watch some of my performances back and realize that I should have had an acting coach. (laughs) Oh, (laughs) whatever. That's not what I was implying. True. <laughs> You're just your own worst critic, like me, probably. <laughs> In my teenage, like my young adult years, I've worked with a couple of coaches, but it wasn't anything that I did full time because I've been working since I was five and then right. started on Full House when I was 10, all the way up to 18. So I was actually a working actor and didn't have time to take classes. And so I really learned the craft while I was doing it and while I was a child. But of course, as an adult, I can see that there are so many benefits to coaches that could help me develop my skills. So I've worked with a few, but those were kind of in my earlier adult years. And now I just do what I do. I kind of wing it. Your coaches were like Uncle Joey and (laughs) Danny and... (laughs) And Jesse, right? I mean, totally. How cool is that? Yeah, that's the truth. That is the truth. How many seasons was Full House? Full House was eight seasons. And you were in it from the very beginning, right? Yep. 
I was in all but one episode, and that's because the one episode I wasn't in, we had a charity event that was spending time with children that were terminally ill and their families. And so my mom asked the producers if they could write me out of the show one week so that I could be there for this opportunity to make these children's lives happier for that week. So they did. So one episode in eight seasons. Yes. You missed. And then you come around all these years later and do Fuller House, which has been, is Mm -hmm. that four seasons on Netflix? Five. Okay. You just did the fifth season? Yes. It was released earlier this year. It was released in the summertime. But that was the final season, right? Yes. Correct. Okay. What was that like closing that chapter out? Unless there's going to be a fullest, like fullest house. Is that, that was a horrible joke, but like. Never say never, but is it coming back or what? It's not. We talk about it all the time. There are no plans for it to come back, but Jody, Andrea, and I, who play Kimmy and Stephanie, we decided that whether anyone likes it or not, we're going to do Fullest House, even if it's in our garage, and we're going to be the Golden Girls. Oh, that's a great idea. You're yeah. serious. That's going to happen? No, we want it to. You know I'm going to pitch it and try to sell it, but I need another 10 years. You know, I need to get a little bit older so we can move into the retirement home. (laughs) Which one of the golden (laughs) girls will you map your character after? Oh, I'll be Rose. Rose. I'll be the Betty White character. (laughs) It's so me. We already know. And then Jody is going to be B. Arthur's character, Dorothy, because she's so sarcastic and witty. And then Andrea, I think she'd be a perfect Blanche, but she wants to be... Sophia, because she just loves how witty she is. She has those super sharp jokes. Do you ever watch that show? Because it's it's on reruns. Wait, Golden Girls? Yeah, on the Hallmark Channel. Like, they play the reruns. I watch that show all the time. It is so darn funny. I can't even believe some of the jokes. And it had one of the better themes. I always remember my shows by theme songs, because, like, I grew up just loving songs. So I remember, like, tell me if you know this one. What would we do, baby, without us? Oh, yeah, that's Family Ties, right? That's right. Sha-na-na-na. Remember that one? Yeah. Or how about everywhere you look? (laughs) I mean, what a song. Did you know that song is on Spotify? You can go and listen to the whole version of the Full House jingle. Can you? Yeah, you can download it. I'm surprised you haven't done that already. But then what was the Golden Girls theme song? I remember it was really good. Thank you for being a friend. Traveling down the road and back again. Okay, so promise (laughs) me this. When you do the fullest house when it becomes an epic reality and you need an epic theme song, let me revamp. Thank you for being a friend. I'm calling to you. Let me revamp. <laughs> yes. Yes. Done and done and done. I love those old like sitcom theme songs. That is so cool. Well, I thought I had an original idea, but you've already dreamed it up. You've written all the actors in and you're going to be the producer on it as well. Yes, Absolutely. And that's one thing that I think should not be skipped over. You are not just the lead in all of these movies, but it's coming out of your production company, a lot of these films. Yes. So I share it with a co-production, but I've been producing the last probably 20 Hallmark movies I have done. That's awesome. Yeah. As the producer or one of the producers on a film, does that mean you're coming up with the concept? Like you just talked about for the latest Christmas movie, If I Only Had Christmas, that's you and your co-producer who's also a writer. You're dreaming up this concept and 
you know, sort of thinking about your favorite movie, Wizard of Oz. Is that what being a producer entails for those who don't know, like me? <laughs> Sometimes it's hard to describe because there's all different kinds of producers and executive producers. I'm an executive producer in all of this, although my production company is a part of it as well. So because I juggle so much, I'm not doing the day-to-day producing on set. But from development and concept, I'm there from the very beginning. And so a lot of these movies as well, we are coming up with the ideas ourselves or we're finding books that we want to base the movies off of and then getting the rights to those books and then presenting them to Hallmark Channel. And then once we go through script development, that is working with the writer, going through all the notes that Hallmark has that we have. And when we're creating a concept from scratch, like I have another few movies that I'll be doing next year that we created the concept from scratch that we're just creatively coming up with the ideas, hiring a writer. And then we work with our team and Hallmark's team to get the best script. And then it's, I'm always looking at being a part of the conversation. Once we get beyond the script to our locations and our director and who we're hiring for our crew that includes hair and makeup and styling and props and set deck and, our director of photography, all of those people. So I'm overseeing and overlooking and approving and who I would like to be on my crew and who I'd like to work with. And then we go into casting. And so those are all the decisions that I'm a part of in the process of my other producers that we make together. And then we start working on the film. And then when I need to use my big voice, because there's something I want to fight for that maybe the network doesn't really want, but I really want it. That's when, you know, I use that executive producer part and say like, hey, this is really important to me and here's why. And, you know, most of the time they're like, okay, cool. Because we have a good track record. (laughs) That's the good thing. We produce so many and, you know, I've done 25 Hallmark movies. I'm working on my 26. Unbelievable. And so we have a good track record and great ratings. So they usually trust our process and our thoughts and ideas, which is a wonderful place to be at this point in my career. What is it like stepping into that even greater role of empowerment in that world? I mean, did you have to sort of assert yourself in the beginning? Did you come up against any opposition in terms of saying, hey, no, this is a dream of mine, a passion of mine. I want to be a producer of films. I want to be involved on a greater level. Did you have to kind of put your stake in the ground at one point or were you embraced readily from the beginning with that? Well, it's something that a lot of actors, once you establish yourself and you are accomplished within whatever that is, whether it's a television show or movies, it's something that a lot of actors ask for. Hey, I would like a producer credit or an executive producer credit. And a lot of times that's all it is, is a credit, which is something, it says something, but oftentimes there's not as much work behind it. And so when I got my executive producer credit at the start, I wasn't trying to assert myself. I said, hey, I'm a producer, but I want to learn. Let me learn what we're doing here because these are all the different facets of the of the industry that I don't know yet because I've only been in front of the camera. So for several movies and several years, I just said, hey, I want to be a part of this. I'm not going to chime in unless I really feel strongly about something, but I'm going to sit back, be a part of every conversation and listen and learn. And that's what I did. So that now, 10 years later, as an executive producer, I'm very much a part of every process and have a big voice and opinion in all of it. But I certainly have come up among some challenges 
But that's like the fun part. Mm-hmm. When you do have a good track record and then you can use your voice and your muscle in that way. Yeah. It feels very empowering, but it's never coming from a place of power. It's always coming from a place of, hey, this is what I do. And I honestly think this is what's going to make the best movie or will be the best choice or give us the best ratings and have the best outcome. We're talking about the word empowered. And I was looking at your candisberet.com website. Mm-hmm. You have a merch line called Wear Your Faith. Yeah. And one of your t-shirts, I want to buy this for my girls. It says empowered women. I-N. Yeah. Powered Empowered woman, and the definition says, a woman who derives her strength from God's limitless power within her. See Philippians 4.13. I love that. And you talked earlier about how big on exercise you are and how just that's helped you keep your sanity and find the healthiest version of your life. But I also know how important spiritual health is in your life and your relationship with the Lord. Mm -hmm. If anybody follows you on social media for five minutes, they're going to understand that there's something different about Candace and there's something guiding her and it's not her own empowerment. It's not her own abilities. It's that she is pointing her life and her family in the direction of the author of all stories, but also hoping to use her platform to tell other people where they can find hope. Talk about how living out your faith in Hollywood and just throughout your life, talk about why that's important to you. And, you know, if you've faced any sort of opposition along the way as a result of it. Well, thank you for all of that. I feel like it is such a privilege to be working in this industry and to be able to be as open as I am about my faith because it's certainly not something that most people in the industry embrace. But there's a handful of people that I have seen model it and do it well. And when I say do it well, I mean, anyone living out their faith in Christ, is I mean, it's incredible and amazing. And I'm so grateful to see them. But sometimes it's just a hard balance when you are an entertainer that like you still want people to listen to your music or watch your movies and you don't want to turn them off because of your personal beliefs. But at the same time, as a Christian, I can't hide what my personal beliefs are. And so I, I do feel privileged that I've been able to maintain such a strong presence in the industry while being very open about being a Christian. I know so many people respect you for that, my family among them, but I was curious if you've ever faced any pushback for the bold stance on your faith that you take. I definitely have over the years, although I will say I've been embraced more for my faith in the industry than I've had pushback, but I've certainly had it. I remember the very first time I had supported an organization and I was scheduled to do a very big talk show the next day, and I was canceled from the talk show once I had given my support wow. <laughs> of a charity organization that was Christian. So like, okay, wow, this is a big deal. But then I was just like, but you know what? This is who I am, and I'll, I'll never forget, you know, I took 10 years off to stay home and raise my kids when they were born until I went back into the industry in my early thirties. But that time at home was so significant for me, but I will never forget leaving at the time we lived in Florida and the church that we went to, when you left the parking lot, 
it said, you are now entering the mission field. Ooh, that's good. Yeah. So I always remember that sign. You're now entering the mission field. Mm. You're going out into the world. Like, remember that you are an ambassador for Christ. And so that has stuck with me always. And when I would think about the times where I have faced opposition or been cut from a show or people are like, hey, you got to downplay you can say that you're a person of faith, but you can't specifically name your faith, or or you can say you're faithful, but do not say the name Jesus Christ. Like I've had particulars being told of what I can and can't say on certain shows. Okay. And then I just think, you know what? I have now entered the mission field. Like it never left me. And I'm an ambassador for Christ and I have to do this and be unashamed. But of course, listen, this isn't me forcing anything on you. This is true in my life, and I'm never going to stop sharing, but this is God's work in you. It's not Candace trying to make you into someone that you have to talk to God about. You don't have to talk to Candace about it, but I'm here to offer an encouraging word and show you who he is. So that's kind of always been my mentality, and thankfully, I think that people embraced it. However, God has allowed me to do that. And I've just always tried to be be real and authentic. And I think the turning point for me in my career was when I was asked to be a co-host on The View, Mm. because that's when I did not audition for that job. They asked me to be a part and be one of the co-hosts. And it was because I had such a strong belief in my Christian faith and they wanted that point of view. And I was like, whoa, never did I think I was going to be asked to do a job because of my faith, let alone on one of the biggest Emmy award-winning talk shows. Just amazing. And it was actually because of your strength of stand. Mm -hmm. Did you leave that show more emboldened to be outspoken about your faith? Yes, it really did. It made me realize that I don't want to talk about politics publicly. (laughs) That's the truth. I think we're all pretty exhausted at this point about talking politics. So I think we're in the same boat with you there. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, try doing that five days a week on live television. That is tough. Oh, that had to be exhausting. Oh, yeah, it was. But I also realized during that time, because I was not confident talking about politics, because I didn't feel educated enough Mm. about politics, I realized that talking about my faith was the easiest part of that show. And people would always say, you're so bold. I can't believe (laughs) you wore a Jesus Saves sweatshirt. And then you talked about sharing the gospel and you actually shared the gospel on that show. And you would come up with any opportunity and turn it to spiritual talk or talk about a biblical principle or what Jesus did, any opportunity you got that was so bold of you. And I would say, thank you. But like, I have to confess, it's not me being bold and think I'm being so great. It's just that I'm so confident and comfortable to talk about my faith. It's Mm. the easy part. Mm. And that was my biggest takeaway from that show. I'm like, I would much rather talk about Jesus with people. And it, this is so easy. And because it's natural, it's real, it's true. Jesus, I'm so grateful for him and all that he's done in my life. And it's the best news I've ever had in my life. Why would I not want to share that with everybody? And one of the ways you're sharing that with everybody is through these devotional guides and devotional journals you've created that 
are awesome and people need to check these out. I noticed you were selling them on QVC as well, but where are these devotional guides available? Yeah, they're available several places. You can always go to my website and it'll take you to, or you can go to dayspring.com. That is the company that I've partnered with. My collection is with Dayspring. We're going to post a link for people to find these devotional guides that you've put together and written. Why was it important for you to do this? Clearly, you've got enough on your plate. You're a huge celebrity. You've made tons of movies. Everybody knows Full House and Fuller House, and they'll soon be wowed by Fullest House in due time. But (laughs) why would it be important for you to put yourself out there, put your faith out there in the form of these devotional guides and books that you've written? This is the get-to part of my life. I get to do this. I get to share this with people. I love my career and everything I do. I mean, I love being an entertainer and an actor and a producer, but my heart is sharing Jesus with people. It always comes down to that. So even if I'm making a movie, and it's not a Christian movie, but you can just know that I'm having conversations about Jesus behind Mm. the camera with people, with the cast, with the crew. I love talking about Jesus any opportunity I have. So this is just one of these things. I get to do this on a bigger platform. I love that I have people that have followed me since I was 10 years old on Full House. I have a lot of fans that have enjoyed my movies over the years. So they come to my social media and I want to share what's most important in my life. And so these are just products that I'm able to offer to ultimately get you closer to Jesus, to get you one step closer to know Jesus and have Jesus be a part of your life. I mean, that's what it comes down to. I'm a businesswoman and I love business in that way. And it's just one of the blessings I'm able to do in my life because of it. Well, you have so many unique giftings and it's just so awesome to, when you watch somebody walk out, like literally stepping into the fullness of God's plan for their life, And stepping out into, like you said, I love you're now entering the mission field. And, you know, for anybody listening to this right now, to be able to walk away from this conversation with you, Candace, so inspired. Wherever somebody's listening to this, wherever they're heading right now, they're heading into their own mission field, their own opportunity. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's so important to really spend enough time with Jesus to tap into the reality that he has the best plan for our lives, that he's uniquely equipped us for the things that are going to come our way and that he's going to draw us into our own personal mission field. He has that for each and every one of us waiting for us if we're willing to step into it. And it won't always be Mm -hmm. easy. And some days people are going to have their equivalent of your moment on the Peloton the other day where you're <laughs> where the weight of being away from your family for five yeah. weeks. I mean, it, listen, this has been a hard year for every single person on some level. What I love is as we're heading into the holidays here, just how much joy your movies are going to be able to provide for people in a real bright spot for people and families to gather around and get into the spirit of Christmas and find the heart of Christmas. My team and I were sitting down planning December's episodes and thinking about like, and I had my bucket list and I was like, I want to talk to Candace around the holidays. I'm not trying to pigeonhole you as an actor. I'm just saying, you know, that was our first interaction was on a Christmas movie and that kind of thing. But, you know, what kind of encouragement would you offer to somebody who's just weary from a hard year and maybe struggling to find their faith 
at this time of year. And, and, and I know our prayers are with anybody who's struggling in, in any mm-hmm. sort of way this year. What would you say to encourage them to really find the heart of Christmas and come back to all the joy and peace that God offers to us? Well, first, I just would like to tell that person or you who's listening that you're not alone. You are absolutely not alone. And even if you are physically alone in a room, you are never alone because God is always with you. And God loves you and God's arms are stretched out open wide, waiting for you to run into his arms. And he's such a protector and he covers us with his wings. And I just love the picture of that because when I'm feeling overwhelmed and like the weight of the world is on me or that I can't get through another day. I just visualize being under the protective wings of Jesus, like under his arms Mm. being held. And I only know those things from reading the Bible. Hmm. And so I just want to encourage you that there's a place to start and there's always hope. And that hope is found in the Bible. And that's why we read it to know God's truth, to know God's grace and love and mercy, to know all of the incredible wonders of him that we humanly can't comprehend. And it's having that faith and trusting in what we cannot see. But God so provides in ways that are so unexpected. And we've heard stories from so many people. We have known them for ourselves when we pray and those prayers are answered sometimes differently, but even greater. Right. And I just love the promises of God. And no, it's not always easy and it is difficult, but the faith that I know that I have, especially through the dark and hard seasons, God has never disappointed me. It may have taken a lot longer to get through it than I would have hoped for or prayed for, but God has always done a work in my life, whether that's refining me or my mind, or my heart, or opening and exposing the things that I need to work on. But Mm. I trust Him. Love that. And that's what I hope that anyone listening knows, that you can trust the Lord. I love that. You said the phrase, a place to start. And like, what better place to start than going, I'm going to place my trust in a God who I believe is in control, even when it looks like this world is completely out of control. Speaking of a place to start, one of the last questions that I ask every guest is sort of a quirky question, but it has a deep significance for me personally. And I think it helps people in a different way. I know it speaks to me, but I talk a lot about a blue couch. And I know it sounds kind of weird, but the image of a blue couch has great significance for me. And so one of my questions is, I ask everybody, I want to know your blue couch story. And what I mean by that is as a 13 year old kid growing up in the Chicago suburbs, I found God on a blue couch. I was flipping channels on the television, probably looking for an episode of Full House, but, you know, finding accidentally a Billy Graham crusade. And that was a moment sitting on a blue couch in that living room. When I talk about it, I can I can picture it, the moment where my faith became more than just a family connection because my dad was a preacher, and it became something that was so real, I could no longer ignore it, and I knew beyond the shadow of a doubt that I needed help in my life. I needed Jesus. I realized in that moment that if my life is a story, I got a feeling I'm not the author, but I want to know the one who is, and I prayed with my mom sitting on a blue couch and asked Jesus into my heart, and uh, you know that's a defining moment in my faith, and I say all that to ask you, 
Can you remember a moment, even if it wasn't the first blue couch moment? Because mm-hmm. if you're a follower of Christ and have been for any amount of time, you know that God desires not just to give you one blue couch moment, but to reveal himself to you and be real to you many times along the way. The question is, are we paying attention? What comes to mind when you think of a blue couch moment in your life? Well, Matthew, first, I'm glad you explained to me what the blue couch moment is, because I would have thought of the full house blue couch (laughs) and would have talked about a scene on full house. That's right. The blue plaid couch. That's right. But that's not what we're talking about. Okay, but my non-full house blue couch moment I remember vividly, and it was at my home in Florida, and although I had already considered myself a Christian since I was 12, this was when I was about 23 years old. I had already had two children, and I had just started reading the Bible again because I wanted to know how I wanted to raise my children because my faith was not very important to me at that time. And I remember at that time, Val also considered himself to be a Christian, but did not practice in any way or read the Bible or we didn't go to church. And when I was reading the Bible, I remembered reading in First Peter that a wife could win over her husband without a word, without saying a word, mm. but by the conduct and I believe it's First Peter 3.1. This was my blue couch moment because it was an answered prayer because I thought, how am I going to talk to Val about Jesus when he didn't want to hear about Jesus? Because this was like something that felt so new again in my life. And I think that he thought I was like, why all of a sudden am I being a religious person? Why all of a sudden am I reading the Bible? Or why am I desiring to go to church all of a sudden in my life and trying to get him to go with me? Because our life was great. There was nothing wrong with our life. And when I read that verse, it was like God gave me such an answer that I could win his heart over without saying a word to him. Because thou literally asked me to stop talking about Jesus Mm. or church, Mm. but I could win him over by my conduct. And I cried in my bedroom. I closed up my Bible. I remember being on my white carpet on my knees and I leaned over a white and tan colored chair. And I prayed the prayer that I'll never forget and has never left me because I said, God, please, like, thank you for answering this. Mm. And I know you're so real and present in my life because you gave me this answer. And I don't ever want my desire and my love for you to fade away. I don't want this to feel like a new diet. Like I'm all excited about you right now, but in a couple of weeks, I'm just going to forget about you or I'm going to go back to my old ways. I want to just like light a fire under my butt (laughs) that I am just loving you every day of my life and show me how to be that woman and show me how to be that woman to vow. Mm. And that was it. That's my blue couch moment. And I can honestly say that I feel like God's answered that prayer because I don't feel like that light has ever been extinguished in my life. And even if my little flame gets dull in the weary moments of life and the struggles of life, 
that pilot light has always lit oh, and God always good. turns <laughs> that flame back up, yeah, you know? Yeah, I love that. Uh, his desire for us was never to experience a moment where we're on fire and then have it be replaced by years where the fire dwindles and goes away. That was never his plan. John 10, 10, mm-hmm. he said, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. That's Satan's three-point plan for us. But Jesus only needs one point. He said, but I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. That's not the description of God planning for us to live our lives where a flame becomes a flicker and eventually blows out. And I loved the thought of the pilot light. That is just a great image. <laughs> And I love that, that reminder that his plan for us is to be on fire and not have that fire go out. And here you are, how many years later, married to Val? We've been married 24 years 24 now. Years. That was about 20 years ago, that prayer. And the Lord's just richly blessed you and your marriage and your kids. One of them just got engaged, I think, right? Yes, he did. My middle son, Lev is engaged. The Lord has just richly blessed your family, and I'm so excited to see what the future holds for you, Candace, and and for your family. It's been an honor for me to have had the chance to meet you and work with you in person. That little movie, The Heart of Christmas, gave me the opportunity to get to meet Candace, but more importantly, to get to add that to my bio, because literally, like, (laughs) When I send my little biography out, you know, to any press outlets, first sentence, it doesn't even talk about my music. It says, has shared the stage with Candace Cameron. <laughs> we shared it a few times because we did that K-Love Awards. Oh, that's right. So fun. We hosted that together. I've been thinking only about Christmas prepping for this chance to talk to you that I forgot we did the Caleb Fan Awards together. That was amazing. We did. That was great. But I have to tell you, this has been an amazing conversation. So thank you so much for having me on your podcast. It was a lot of fun. But I just, my favorite thing, Matthew, and I think I tell you this every stinking time, so it's probably (laughs) really old to hear it, but Leaving Heaven is still my favorite song. Oh, man. Off the Christmas album. I don't know if you ever listened to the Sirius XM Hallmark station that comes on during the holidays. Uh, yes, so I, I believe do. it started early November. Yeah. It comes back on. And I of course I host the Hallmark Channel <laughs> radio. Of course you station. do. Yeah. <laughs> of course I do. But they give many of the Hallmark actors we get to do a countdown playlist of our ten favorite holiday songs and yours is always on my list as my number one so it is again this year it's my favorite it really is i mean i love the heart of christmas the heart of christmas album is still my favorite by the way i can't wait to listen to (laughs) the new one with like the heart of joy or the heart like whatever everything i just i love your music so much matthew but like that song for me embodies everything about what the true meaning of Christmas is, that Jesus left heaven Amen. to be with us. And so, Amen. anyway, Gosh. So you got to tune into the station so you can hear me talk about you and how awesome you and this song is. Well, I and every other family in America are going to have SiriusXM turned on, listening to your Hallmark special <laughs> that you'll host while we're watching If I Only Had Christmas on Hallmark. We'll be sipping hot chocolate. And thanks to Candace Cameron Bure, we're all going to be in the Christmas spirit. And by the way, when you're giving me kind words about my music, if this was a television interview, the audience would be seeing me blush right now. And every time you've posted about my Christmas music on social media, I'm sure my album 
album sales skyrocket because uh, you're such a huge influencer. So well, they should. That I is mean, so they should sweet. because it's that good and you deserve <laughs> every second of that. You're the best. I just love it. I'm so thrilled that you would take the time. I know how busy you are. Just the fact that you would hang with me like this. I only wish we could have done it in person, but there's no way I'm going all the way to Vancouver and sitting in a bubble for two weeks <laughs> with you and uh, Mary Lou. But thank you so much for doing this. And so I want to wish you and your family a Merry Christmas. I know you're going to be so happy to be home with your family and just know that the West family loves you guys. We're praying for you and we just are so excited for what the Lord has done through your platform. He's shining through you day in and day out in such a bright way. So keep up the great work. Just know you've got believers in Nashville who are lifting you up day in and day out. Thank you so much and please give your family my love. In honor of Candace Cameron Bure, because she said this is her favorite Christmas song of mine, today's song from the Story House is Leaving Heaven. Well, it's been real nice living way up here in paradise over the atmosphere. But I can't stay long, gotta make my way. I'm leaving heaven today. The world is dark and it needs a light I'm gonna hang a star in the eastern sky So everybody's gonna know where I touch down I'm leaving heaven right now I wrote this lyric from the perspective of Jesus, a humble king who was choosing to willingly leave the splendor of heaven, to go from streets of gold to walking a broken earth, to save broken people like you and me. The chorus reminds us of the why. Why did Jesus do this? He did this for me and for you. That you're the reason why I'm leaving heaven. Ever since writing this song, I kept saying to my producer, how cool would it be to hear Vince Gill on this song with me? I don't always get a vision for a specific sound or singer or guitar player when I'm writing a song, but for this one, I did. And let's be honest, who wouldn't want to hear Vince Gill on a song? I didn't have Vince's contact information, but I did have Amy Grant's number. So I nervously sent a text to Amy and asked if she thought her husband might be willing. Her response? Why don't you ask him yourself? And then she sent me his personal cell phone number as if I wasn't nervous enough. Well. I mustered up the courage, I asked him to join me, and he simply said, sure. And with that, Vince lent his signature guitar sound and his just as signature vocal sound to this song, and it helped create one of the most special musical moments that I've ever gotten to experience. Take a listen to what I think is an epic guitar solo played by the man himself, Vince Gill. The lyrics go on to illustrate the fact that Jesus knew all along what his mission was. He came to live on earth in order to die for our sins so that we may truly live. When my time comes to an end, I lay down my life like a truest friend. When I get back home, I'm going to make some room. So don't you worry, because I'm coming back for you. Now, when you hear this final chorus, you'll hear that I changed the lyrics just a bit to remind us that he's gone to prepare a place for us and promises to leave heaven once again. He's going to bring us to the eternity he's prepared for us. 
I love that at Christmas time, we can celebrate not only the fact that love has come, but that love is going to come again. That's how much we are loved, that this life on earth is not our final resting place. We can celebrate that he will leave heaven again and bring us home to an eternity in heaven. And if you ever wonder what my love is worth, well, you should know. Give this song a listen during the Christmas time, and as you do, give thanks for a God who loved you this much to send His Son to die for you. At Christmas, it's fitting to soak in the message of the birth of a Savior, but also the death and the resurrection of a Savior. This is the hope we have, hope that can flood our hearts with joy this Christmas. He's my dad, and he gives good advice, and that's why this last segment of every episode is called Dad advice. He is my dad and he gives good advice. And that's why this segment is called Dad Advice. Dad, Merry Christmas. Thanks so much for joining me on every episode of the podcast. Thank you, Matthew. Hey, can you send us out with some good encouragement today? Yes, I can. I want to zero in on peace on earth or Christmas peace. As a pastor of a church for 38 years, my favorite time of the year was Christmas. We had a live nativity. We did a citywide outreach. We had children's Christmas programs, collecting shoeboxes, community outreaches. And probably one of your favorite memories of Christmas was when we did the West Family Christmas special. We practiced all Saturday night and fought like cat and dogs, but got up like an angel pastor family. (laughs) So, uh, Matthew, do you have some other memories you'd like to share? Well, it wasn't that West Family Christmas that we used to do. I remember you would make like our brother Joel do a saxophone solo, (laughs) and I had to sing a song. It's kind of funny, though, because here we are doing the West Family Presents the Hope of Christmas with these virtual events. So, I guess the apple hasn't fallen too far from the tree. (laughs) I always remember Christmas being a bit of a stressful time for the pastor's family, but I remember a moment of peace like no other on Christmas Eve, just like so many families get to experience in a normal year when you're gathering in church for a Christmas Eve service and the lights are turned down low and everybody lights the candle and sings Silent Night. That was just always my favorite Christmas moment and Christmas memory as a family. That's a good memory. I want us to consider peace on earth for a few minutes, and I think we'd all agree that this Christmas, peace on earth is hard to find. And I think that's one of the lines in one of your Christmas songs. The hope of Christmas. The hope of Christmas. This year has brought a pandemic, hurricanes, racial tension, and I don't think I have to remind any of us of this, financial stress and death. It brought wildfires, confusion, and anxiety, all of which do not bring with them peace on earth. There was a famous poet named Henry Wadsworth Longfellow who wrote in 1963 a poem during the American Civil War. It later turned out to be one of the most loved Christmas carols that we sing. It's called, I Heard the Bells on Christmas Day. 
I heard the bells on Christmas Day, their old familiar carols play, and mild and sweet their songs repeat of peace on earth, goodwill to men. And in despair I bowed my head, there is no peace on earth, I said, for hate is strong and mocks the song of peace on earth, goodwill to men. Then rang the bells more loud and deep, God is not dead, nor does he sleep. The wrong shall fail, the right prevail, with peace on earth, goodwill to men. Mm. Three quick thoughts here. We need peace. Christmas 2020 finds us longing for peace. Usually when I get to the end of the year, I always say, I can't wait till this year is over. And I'm saying that loud and clear. And I'm saying that I need peace more than ever as we end this 2020 year. Life has been turned upside down. What we long for the most seems just out of reach Here's what Lisa wrote into us on our website, on our prayer page. So you go to popwe.org, and then you go to the prayer page, and here's what Lisa wrote. Pray for my depression and anxiety. I need help to get through the holidays with this COVID isolation and filled with depression and anxiety. I feel alone and far from God, even as a believer. Please pray for me. We certainly need peace right now. Secondly, Jesus is our peace. Isaiah 9, 6 prophesied, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Luke 2, 14 said, We hear the angels declare, Glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace, goodwill, toward men. Jesus is our peace. Our problem as humans is we look to other things to give us peace and satisfaction. Only Jesus can. And then thirdly, the world around us doesn't have to be peaceful for us to experience his peace. Notice this quote, peace is the inner sense of contentment and quietness, regardless of life's circumstances. And I don't know about you, but I didn't like some of my circumstances this year in 2020. John 16, 33 said, I have told you these things so that in me, you may have peace. In this world, you will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. John 14, 27, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you, not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled. Isaiah 26, 3, he will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is focused and stayed upon him. There's temporary peace, and then there's a peace that will never, ever let us go, and that's the peace of a Savior. Remember the last verse of the carol, then rang the bells more loud and deep. God is not dead, nor does he sleep. The wrong shall fell, the right prevail, with peace on earth, goodwill toward men. We need peace. Jesus is our peace, and the world around us doesn't have to be peaceful, and it certainly isn't for us to experience his peace. Matthew, I know you join me in a Christmas wish for every listener today, that they may know Jesus and his peace. We pray that Jesus, the Prince of Peace, would fill our hearts and minds with peace, and then no matter what's going on in our lives and in the world around us, we can be at peace. Amen. Thank you, Dad. Hey, that's our show for today. I want to thank my guest, Candace Cameron-Beret. 
She is amazing, and I'm so glad that we got to sit down and talk. Be sure to check out her latest film, If I Only Had Christmas, airing on the Hallmark Channel all throughout the holiday season. We're also going to post a link to Candace's official website so you can find out all the awesome things that she's doing, all the things that we talked about in today's episode. Go to MatthewWest.com slash podcast to hear more about Candace, to get a link to the song Leaving Heaven. You'll also find out more information about the ministry that my dad and I have. If you'd like to receive some weekly devotionals, we're doing a special Christmas series right now on the hope of Christmas. So continue that encouragement in your life by subscribing to those devos. You can actually go to the ministry's website at popwe.org to sign up for those free weekly devotionals. That's popwe.org. And last but not least, want to remind you about the special Christmas event coming your way on December 18th and 19th. There's two different airings. Each night, you'll be able to catch a show that works for your family's schedule. Go to MatthewWest.com to get your tickets. And as a listener of this podcast, remember, you get five bucks off your ticket. Use the code at checkout, West Pole, not North Pole, but West Pole, to get your $5 discount. And we'll be able to share that special Hope of Christmas live concert from my studio with my family and I straight to your home. You don't want to miss it. Now go make the most of the one life that you get. Remember, it's your story for His glory. God bless you. I'll see you next week. Hey.